welcome to another episode of the Event Industry News Podcast. I am joined today by two guests, um, which we haven't done in a while. So I'm very excited to have a three-way conversation today. Um, first of all, I'm joined by Nesh Singh, who is Head of Business and Event Technology at Buzz Nation. Um, for those who don't know, Buzz Nation are a platform that help event marketers and event planners globally um, leverage the benefits of event technology, that's workflow planning, reporting, and as well as virtual and hybrid events as well. Um, I'm also joined by Bernard Marr, who is an international best-selling author, keynote speaker, futurist, and strategic business technology advisor with a huge audience of, of engagement on LinkedIn as well, as I've just found out prior to this podcast. Um, on today's podcast, we're going to be very much focusing on what virtual events look like now and what they will, the role that they will play as an event marketing strategy and, and wider marketing strategy for corporates and, and people around the globe. Um, we're going to be talking to Bernard about what that looks like from his own experience and possibly what the future holds for this. And with Nesh, we're going to be very much talking about how technology plays a role right now and how the technology is actually supporting an industry that can't meet at the moment. Um, which is very important. Um, Nesh, just to fill our listeners in, could you give us a little bit more of a, a background on yourself and how you got into the events industry? Yeah, sure, uh, Adam. First of all, thank you so much for having me on the call and I really appreciate this opportunity. And uh, it's great to be on Event Industry News. It's a great platform. I, I kind of, I'm, I'm like on your website for the last three years, a lot of great content. So thank you for that. Um, so, uh, my name is Ness and I kind of manage global business for Buzz Nation. Uh, we are a company actually inspired by Adam's event, the event industry uh, show. Every year I attended that in 2017 and kind of, uh, you know, uh, this idea about having a company completely focused on events technology services. Uh, we started and we got lucky with uh, several events. At the moment, in two years, we have kind of uh, done more than 120 uh, event tech implementation globally. Uh, our clients are themselves technology companies. So most of them are 5 billion plus technology companies. Yeah. You know, it's quite challenging to meet their requirements. Uh, the good thing is uh, we have repeat business from most of our clients. They are supporting us through this COVID and they are the ones who are kind of also aligning us in their virtual events journey. So, so Buzz Nation continues to kind of forge ahead on that uh, you know parameter and we are adding more clients and opportunities to our business and happy to be here Adam and share my inputs on your questions. That's brilliant Nesh thank you very much for that overview. Bernard yourself international best known author speaker futurist huge amounts of experience tell us a little bit more about how you got to that point I guess. Okay I, I, I finished my degree at Cambridge. Um, I was lucky that the university offered me a job to join the business school there so I became an, an, an academic for some time but I, I've always seen myself as a very much as a practitioner. I then moved from um, Cambridge to another business school, Cranfield School of Management, where I worked for 10 years, especially working with businesses and companies, developing industry networks, helping them to put research into practice, which then developed a, a consulting career for me. Uh, then over 10 years ago, I left the university setting and started working for myself. 
I now do three things. So I do, I, I write still. I started writing obviously when I was working in academia because this is what people do. I never thought I would write books. If you'd asked me 20 years ago, now I've written uh, 17. Um, wow. And I, I, my most recent one is called Tech Trends and Practice, which looks at the, the 25 biggest technology trends that are impacting the next 10 years. And I also write for Forbes. I have a regular column in there. And then the second thing I do is I do uh, consulting. So I help companies develop a, a, a strategy, a, sometimes a data strategy in AI and digital transformation strategies. So I've just done this for companies like Shell. I've worked for the mm -hmm. United Nations and, and others. Uh, so for governments and, and, and companies. And the third thing is I, I train, I speak, I'm a keynote speaker. Um, I spend much of my, my life uh, traveling the world uh, going to to events, delivering keynote presentations and training seminars. So this is the, and and all of this then I guess led me to become what people now call an influencer because I have yep. a, a big network of about two million social media followers. So now I work with lots of big brands like Microsoft and Cisco and 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 Oracle and many others and IBM to to help them amplify their voice to some extent. That's amazing. So I guess. To carry on from that, Bernard, being um, somebody who obviously travels around the world and speaks in person, I would imagine that pandemic, the coronavirus hitting, would have meant essentially that that couldn't happen for you, right? And is that why, I know you've been really, really successful delivering um, online events and live streams and webinars through LinkedIn and to your social media platform. Is that what kind of naturally led you to that? To that platform that way of engaging with your audience yeah absolutely so when when the pandemic struck i like many of us i was panicking thinking okay well, what will this mean for my for my business my income um and from one day to the next all my my speaking engagements got cancelled and i delivered a few of them virtually but it was quite a scary time and what as a, an influencer on, on LinkedIn, I've had this this ability to go and live stream to, to an audience for some time. And I, I've never felt the need to do this. And mm. like with so many things, suddenly there was a need and I thought, okay, what, what do I do? How do I reach my audience? And I, one day I just switched on my camera and said, let's try this out. I'm, I'm live on LinkedIn. So I was live streaming to LinkedIn and to YouTube and I had over 20,000 people watching and this blew my mind to be honest and and not just that they were watching there was a huge level of engagement so I had over 1500 people commenting asking questions so this then opened a door that I thought was never there that suddenly once I was doing this companies like like Cisco and IBM and Microsoft and, and Oracle and and many others came and said, actually, you've got an amazing platform. At the moment, we can't host our events in, in person. How about we collaborate? And, and this was an amazing opportunity for me. That's amazing. It's great to see you being able to engage with your audience so quickly in that way and having the confidence. I know you're a speaker, um, so most speakers have lots of... Um, outwardly appearing confidence in the most but but switching on the camera and and sometimes speaking to no audience is actually more daunting than having an audience in front of you right Absolutely. Uh, it was very daunting in the beginning and and a very strange feeling but what i learned is that this is actually a much more intimate way of delivering something 
because you read people's comments straight away. People are saying hello. When you deliver something on stage is actually quite remote. You're far yeah. away from, you look into big lights and you don't really connect with the audience as well as you do on, on live streams. Yeah. Nesh, I would imagine that when the pandemic hit as a technology provider that can allow organizers or, or speakers and personalities like Bernard engage with their communities, I guess you also saw a huge rush of inbound on people wanting to leverage technology to do exactly the same, right? Well, absolutely. I mean, um, so it was, uh, I mean, the pandemic is not a good thing. So obviously we are still getting out of it, but you know, companies like us who kind of trusted events technology, it kind of helped us a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we talk about the window of opportunity, right? So we earlier thought the window of opportunity to go virtual is probably three months, six months. Now it's nine months. Now it's almost enforced. Right. So, uh, so we are now seeing that most of our clients obviously came back to us immediately for a solution. Thankfully, we had that mindset and the people to kind of, you know, work with them on these requirements. And, and we have seen obviously a lot of rush and similar companies. In fact, uh, not, not so much us, but there are companies out there who are probably not even able to manage the incoming I mean, inquiries. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and they are ramping up uh, pretty fast. So we have seen a lot of uh, incoming uh, requirements and we are in fact now turning them around. Uh, we ourselves are working on more than two dozen virtual events at the moment. Yeah. And it's growing, right? So it's, it's growing because it's been three months. People have done all their education. Now they are asking more technical questions because they are actually now going to do it in the next three months. And And, you know, if you look at, uh, Bernard, he himself said that he probably did not even know that going live will be helpful, right? He just tried it. So, I mean, if you look at the client ecosystem now, they are not afraid to try because they are okay to fail and they have the management consensus on that. So it's a great thing for them as well. It's really interesting you say that, that, um, you know, before switching the camera on, it wasn't necessarily in the frame to kind of do that kind of delivery and content. And I think what I've seen myself and I've been in the events industry now for the last 15 years I've been talking about event technology and the benefits of it for the last decade and funnily enough as a publisher we 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 conduct ourselves purely online so we've never printed a publication we've you know we've delivered in-person events yep absolutely but we are very we are a digital play and what I've seen interestingly is a huge proportion of the industry, individual speakers, that kind of stuff, so used to things happening in person that there's been no real push or need or desire or, or maybe even bandwidth to be able to pursue what that might look like online, right? Um, I, I think bandwidth is really important because, you know, as, as people, we as, as healthy business, we, we tend to be super busy. And then to do something online, even though it looks simple on the outside of just switching the camera on and delivering content, it, it still takes a lot of time to prepare and, and deliver that well, right? Um, so that's one element is that this, there's been this portion of the industry that are professional speakers, professional organizers, professional corporates that deliver these kind of things. And then all of a sudden they've been given the opportunity because of that bandwidth to pursue that. And then on the other hand, there are all the there are kind of the companies, corporates that rely on events to obviously host and develop and, and deliver their engagements with their customers or find new prospects and things. And that's been taken away. Now, they've never delivered an event themselves, but technology 
has allowed them the ability to engage with their community on their own platform, on their own terms, and actually still keep in touch with people and leverage the marketing aspect of it as inbound to keep their businesses afloat during the time when people can't meet face to face. I guess my my next question to, to both of you and Bernard, I'll come to you first is, how do you see this playing now in your future strategy of marketing yourself and, and working with customers going forward once events can get back to being face-to-face is it now part of your plan going forward or how do you see it a very interesting question i don't know so in in the past um i have had that that was one of my main part of my job so i get emails every day saying do you want to come to japan and speak do you want to come to azerbaijan and speak I just had had an email this morning saying, "Can you deliver a seminar in Azerbaijan?" And um, and I scanned through the email and said, "Are they going to say the word virtual?" Because I don't really want to go there at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> on a plane, and yeah. it helped me rethink some of the things I've been doing. So, um, it, last year I've done this so many times that I went on a twelve-hour flight somewhere to deliver a half-an-hour keynote. And then I would fly back and you send, you think you spend two days traveling the mm. world, you lose lots of valuable time, you're away from your family. And one of the draws was, okay, if they have a few thousand people in the audience, anything upwards of 10,000 is a big draw. You think that this gives me a great audience. I would love to do that. Nowadays, I know I can switch on my camera and get more than those. So if someone says, do you want to come and speak in front of 500 people somewhere in Japan? I have to really think, what's the value in, in that? Sure. So for me, it has really re I'm now rethinking what I'm doing with my life. And I, I like the idea of getting up in the morning and going to my office and, and I can do three keynotes virtually. In a Absolutely. Day. Yeah. yeah. So, and it has made me more productive, let alone the, the, health impact and even more so the environmental impact. If I think I sit on a 12 hour flight, do I really need to do this? Or even if I present in, in I've been presenting in, in, in Brussels uh, a lot last year and what this meant is I get up at half past, half past four in the morning, drive down to Heathrow airport, get on, a, on the first flight out to, to Belgium, deliver a keynote, then come back. Usually I'm not back until eight, nine o'clock in the evening. You think, really, do I need to do that? And I, I don't. I, and I've asked this question myself quite a few times, um, that events are, you have to really offer something, right? And having, bringing a few thousand people into a big audience, auditorium, having people present on stage is nice, but now you can do this better online, I believe, because it means that the participants don't need to travel. If it's just about delivering content and listen to people, you can do this really well, if not better online. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that as well, because I, I totally agree with the sustainability aspects. And, you know, I guess people on the outside look at speakers and think it's a very glamorous lifestyle, don't it? Traveling around the world to all these different destinations, presenting. But as somebody that's done it myself, that travel takes its toll on your, your both your physical and mental health and your ability to um i guess um earn income because you can't speak or deliver or, or engage with people when you're on a 12-hour airplane uh, journey right it, it's just dead 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 time and fundamentally i guess to cover that time that would ultimately mean a more expensive engagement for 
the host of that event as well. So in terms of, I'm thinking long-term in terms of marketing and speaker budgets, in terms of that strategy play, what might be a budget for one individual when you take into account accommodation, flights and, 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 and costs could actually stretch to maybe two or three keynote speakers, giving more people work, creating more engaging content and actually providing you, Bernard, as a, as a, as a speaker, a much more efficient um, kind of strategy to, to engage with your audience, but also support events by, by being a paid for speaker. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, 100%. And I, because I traveled so much, I then made it a condition to travel at least in a way that I can lay down and sleep on a plane, which then suddenly costs a lot of money. So I, yeah. there's many times that actually the, the travel budget was almost as high as the speaking fee. And, and, and you think actually, exactly as you say, you might as well get two top speakers engaged and, and, and save a lot of money. Yeah. But for me, there, there is something about physical events though, I think. There's something, making a real connection with a person, going out for a drink somewhere, um, having dinner together and having, I, I guess in this virtual world, we are often long, long, longing for a real physical, a tangible experience of some sort. And I, I think this is what events need to really think about, how they can combine this, how can they get sometimes provide a real tangible experience where humans can really connect with each other. And I don't think virtually you can connect as well as, as you would if you actually meet in person. And I've seen this in, 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 in events where um, recently I was, was asked to be involved in a virtual event. And, and this is an event where lots of business leaders and politicians come together and make deals. And they would be very nervous to do this over any virtual medium because sure. of confidentiality and security and lots of other issues yeah absolutely so that there are there's a role to get together physically but i think it is much more reduced and 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 what i see in the future is much more hybrid events where and and the other thing that i've seen is i've been involved in events at the um, house of lords here in the uk and what usually happens is they do a, a briefing to influencers and the media so i was always going along and they, they have a discussion about AI, but those rooms have a certain capacity. So once you get to 100 people, you can't have any more. And when they moved theirs online and did a virtual event, suddenly they had 500 people dialing in from all over the world. So you reach a much wider audience as well. So the potential for virtual events is huge. So, yeah. so I see a hybrid model where I think the majority will somehow be delivered virtually, but there's a room for for a physical get together, but this has to be defined, I think. Yeah, Nesh, do you feel the same? Do you, are your customers also in agreement with Bernard that there will be this hybrid future of online reach and marketing through those channels and technology, but also still a physical play, but really narrowing down what that physical play actually looks like and means and what the value is to those participants? Is that, the, is that what's your customers are saying to you as well? Absolutely, I completely agree with uh, what uh, you know Bernard had shared. And I think if you look at it, uh, most of the corporate, at least our clients are taking a cue from, from what he was sharing really, in terms of it's not virtual versus physical, it's virtual and physical. Uh, and, and the way they see this is they now want to have virtual as a part of their marketing, long-term marketing strategy. 
and they are looking at partners who can come in and deliver a long term uh, virtual events or a virtual experience strategy uh, to them give them a plan execute it for them obviously you know most of the marketers um, as you could uh, probably you know speak on this better adam uh, you meet a lot of marketers yourself but you know from an awareness standpoint they need partners right they're probably everybody is not ready they're not so tech savvy so they need the partners but they do uh, have a long term view on this and we are already seeing uh, some events which we are doing uh, you know like internal events like i just mm-hmm. did uh, a 1200 sales internal event uh, every year they used to do this in california as uh, it's it's a big tech company so they used to spend in the range of 5 to 10 million on that event now that event went uh, virtual right and and so obviously if you look at the cfo he'll be thinking about about you know what are the benefits of you know saving that money and obviously they would like to have physical events like top management meetings which um you know bernard was mentioning about meetings which require more secrecy or one on yeah. engagements so that that is there obviously uh, some of the events they would like to still do physical is uh, a client meeting or a client event like once a year probably reduce it down uh, but because that is more from a business continuity because most of them have large accounts which you know keep going on year on year so um Uh, absolutely i completely agree with what bernard had shared adam and we see a similar pattern uh, with our uh, corporate clients as well yeah i really think personally tim it ultimately boils down to what are the objectives of delivering an event both physically virtually or online um i think luckily we are now culturally very much more um understanding and um willing to explore the ability of marketing our businesses online you know we've seen the success of social media platforms and platforms like google etc really giving us extremely cost effective ways to market business online funnily enough i don't know whether i'm speaking out of turn here but we've had this webinar play for what the last decade or maybe more now of of companies using webinars in a ways to engage with their prospects their community and even in some cases like you say nish their own organization but what that lacked which the technology for me now provides is the ability for that community to engage with each other during pre and after those events those those technologies now now play they, they become for me it's it's almost are they virtual event platforms or are they community engagement platforms with the ability to host sessions and speakers and content online then and i could see you absolutely having your own platform with your community that can chat to each other while you're not necessarily presenting and continue the conversation and i think that's the way that lots of companies like Cisco and like you say Nest companies will have maybe their own internal platform for their for their global um kind of sales force and and, and workforce Bernard I think Cisco will have that as well as a a forward facing community kind of audience and and client customer facing um platform in fact I think I could I almost imagine seeing a lot of their training move online as well cuz some of their events host huge amounts of training but then you know from a from a publication perspective i can see virtual events being very much leveraged as a tool to market my business or my customers businesses and things like that so it really to me boils down to what's the objective and then what tools and what format do you use 
I guess one question that I would really like to ask both of you, because you're coming at it from different angles, are what are the challenges to, to delivering these type of plays online? You know, is it, is it, is it a technology challenge? Is it a, an adoption challenge? Is it audience understanding? At the moment, is it noise? Is there too much kind of happening online that people actually, we're vying for everybody's attention and there's a finite amount of that. Nesh, first of all, from you, what, what are your customers, what's the biggest challenge facing your customers from you know using Buzz Nation to deliver virtual events, do you think? So first of all, uh, Adam, there are a lot of challenges. So there's not, there's like, it's full of challenges, right? So the challenges really start from the products themselves uh, not really aligned with the client's requirements, right? So we kind of come in between uh, as a company, like for example, like, like the way we see things, right, Adam, is every client is going to use multiple platforms. It is mm -hmm. not going to be one platform each client because the client will have different kind of events, internal, external, regular events, you know, flagship events, right? So what happened, what's, what we are saying is they will use different kind of platforms. Yeah. Now the challenge we see is the platforms are probably were not ready for a situation like this, right? So they had their own growth story. They were kind of getting there in their own life cycle of development, but the platforms were not really ready for uh, a corporate, like an enterprise grade delivery, for example, right? So they are doing a catch up. So that's a challenge. Our clients normally once they started with the whole intention of just replicating a physical environment in a virtual yeah. environment. That's the wrong way to see it because it's a different medium. So we have another challenge from there. And the third challenge is now clients want to have custom, uh, you know, custom technology, right? For example, they want to use existing registration systems, even if they are using five different platforms. Right. So there's the integration, which, which means so there are a lot of challenges and, and to kind of get around with these challenges, what clients require uh, are people with expertise in this. Right. People who can put everything for you together so that as a marketer, you are probably better focusing on the theme of your event, on your speakers, on who you are going to get to. Uh, how will you market this? What are the offline touch points? So those are the things you want to be worried about as a marketer or an event manager. Uh, so you need companies like Buzz Nation who come in and set up an end-to-end -end technology platform, run it for you, deliver it like end-to-end, -end, right? And also consulting. So like four of our clients, four or five of our clients, uh, we are on an annual retainer with them. So for any kind of event technology requirements, they just call us, right? So I need a dashboard on my attendees or I need this to be, okay, whatever it is, we kind of use our people and put multiple technologies in place. So the client does not really see how many technologies are working. He has a business need and we deliver on that. Yeah. Business, right. So I think, so I think that's the thing, but then coming back, what are the challenge? The first is uh, the challenge I see uh, at the moment is low or no tech knowledge. As I said, initially from, from the user perspective, uh, the tools and platforms are themselves lacking. They need to do a catch up. And three is, uh, you know, people are still not creative, like you mentioned about the webinar, right? Which has been around for 10 years, but people still want to use it the way they were using it. But I'm seeing some change. Like for example, I have seen uh, two, three events recently, you know, by my team where basically they got 
like in India, for example, cricket is very big, right? So they were mm-hmm. having webinars by bringing two of the national cricketers on a 20 people webinar, right? Now that is extremely intimate. So, so the cricketer probably signs a t-shirt for them. They can put direct questions, right? And then the t-shirt gets delivered. So you need to get creative even with the webinars, right? I think those, those are also a challenge because most of them, you know, when we get a lot of calls, they clearly want to just replicate what they were doing, right? And and then we kind of have to tone them down, you know, their expectation and then get a marriage. Done. Yep. So yep. I think uh, there are a lot of challenges, but I think what I like about it is everybody is open to collaborate and create something together. I think it's the way we see it is uh, from a client perspective, they have the buy-in or the blessing from senior management to go ahead and try out things and they're okay if things don't work. So I think it's a great uh, win-win. I'd have to agree with all of your challenges there that you've mentioned, Nesh, but in particular, I think as an industry, we've we've lacked the investment in understanding how these technologies can play a role within our events or, or our businesses. Um, I've said for, for many weeks now that, you know, companies like Buzz Nation, LinkedIn Live, they, they don't just pop up overnight because all of a sudden there's a there's a requirement in the in the sector. These these technologies have existed, but it's been as an industry our lack of interest in investment in digital skills, understanding technology, understanding the market even more so, you know, I've had consultancy calls myself that are literally just focused on going through platforms and trying for organizations trying to understand the functionalities and what are specific to them in terms of their requirements so i think we'll see much more focused uh, much more focus going forward on i guess either what i would class as event technologists within event organizations or within corporates that understand and keep abreast of the technology that's available to them and the tools and the ability to shift between tools if they need to depending on what the requirements are right um because even though it's SaaS software it could be one platform one year another platform the next depending on how the market shifts and then i think you know you guys as well, Nesh, you, you can play a role in that in, and clearly you do in supporting customers. And I think that's also something I see providers change is at the moment it's software as a service. And I wonder if it will be software and the service going forward in terms of those higher budget customers and those higher budget events. They'll want that service. They'll want that handholding along the way. Uh, the experience on what formats work online, the collaborative approach to it, the on-site delivery, in the same way that I do at my event, you know, I bring a lot of talented individuals and companies together to produce my event from AV teams to live streaming to speaker liaison, all that kind of stuff. I don't do it all myself and it's not just our team. We bring really, really talented people together. Bernard, do you see challenges, have you faced challenges yourself in, in utilizing technology to engage online or, or what's what's been the biggest thing for you? Is there been anything? Yeah, so so for me, I can echo a lot of the things that, that Nesh had said. Um, for me, there's a technology challenge, there's a cultural challenge, there's a strategic challenge, and I guess there's a challenge around audience engagement. And um, so for me, the in the past we had this cultural challenge where webinars were a niche thing that people experimented Mm. with 
and uh, it was a cultural challenge because people were not used to it. Nowadays, we are all used to switching our cameras on and speaking to each other on on Zoom and Teams and and on WebEx and everything else. So we're used to this technology so that that was a need and this this cultural barrier has been broken uh, ceos are happy to speak to to their um employees and customers from their yeah. bedrooms and from their living rooms so this this has been a big step forward i think and then in terms of technology i think even a year back the technology was very basic and i i think with all of these crisis points that we experience as, as as a world there is very fast innovation so if we if, if i see how platforms like zoom and teams and others have evolved to give us this ability to really deliver courses so i i i teach uh, for a number of business schools for example and the way i would normally do this i would deliver a bit of content then they would break up into breakout sessions discuss it i would then work around my the different rooms to to talk to them individually and then we come back together we have a little discussion and deliver some more content those platforms didn't really exist as well even six to 12 months ago mm -hmm. nowadays we can do this really well on platforms so i've uh, just 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 last week, I delivered a a, a a class to to MBA students, and that was really cool because we could break up into breakout sessions. There was someone managing the technology in the background, but it worked really smoothly. And then there people could request me to pop into their breakouts and and join them, and it felt really like the the very much like the physical event that I used was used to. So the technology is coming along. And I, I think the other one is strategic. You, you made the point, Adam, that it's really important to think about why do you want to do these events? So is this an event where you want to just drive awareness mm. of your brand? Or is this an event where you want to close some sales or want to engage with your customers? So they are all very different audiences and very different type of events that will be needed for this. And, and, and I, I think this is where brands that have already got an existing audience online. They've put a lot of effort into social media. They have built up an audience for them is so much easier because nowadays, again, as you said, there's every business is now doing webinars and live streaming and everything else in between. So there's a big noise. And, yeah. and what, what I think companies and individuals need to think about is how do we make this special? At the moment, I believe my LinkedIn Live works fantastically well. It's because not everyone can use LinkedIn Live because I'm an influencer. I had early sure. access to the technology. So this, at the moment, gives me this competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. um, but I also have an existing audience that I have engaged with. I have a newsletter that goes out to them every week. They have communicated with me. We talk on Twitter and, and Instagram every day. And... And, and, and I think cultivating your own audience is really important. And then leveraging someone else's audience. So if you want to, if you are Microsoft and you say, we want to showcase some of the things that our customers are doing. Last week, I, I, I was doing a, a, a live stream with the corporate vice president of, of AI from Microsoft. And what Microsoft wanted to do is to showcase what they're doing and how they're using AI and how their customers are using it. That's a great way to engage my audience in turn, they might invite me to do something on their platform to engage with their audience to broaden my horizon and my my, my yeah. audience. So it's it's really important to think about what you want. And if, if you want something where it's actually, I want leads, 
you would do a slightly different event if you want to have an event to to reward your best customers and and give them a a, a great experience as different again you might want to do something entirely different it's really interesting i guess that brings me on to one of the the final points and and, and bernard it's it's predominantly for you i must admit i've been saying for a couple of weeks now that I personally fear what the future holds. The big, biggest disruption to, to our sector is the change from in a whole, in a new influx of what I would call event organizers. Predominantly, they don't see themselves as event organizers in the past. Arguably, you now should update your, bio, uh, your LinkedIn byline and also put event organizer on the back end of it because you are organizing online events, essentially. And it's really interesting for me that it's been it's been very apparent on platforms like YouTube and TikTok and those kind of organize, uh, those kind of platforms, LinkedIn as well, provide influencers a way to engage with their community. And ultimately, what is an event? It's a way to engage a community, right? Uh, whether it's customer, prospects, whatever. So for me, looking at the influencer and the content creator player, I see all of these guys and girls becoming event organizers maybe virtually and digitally first because that's the environment they're comfortable with right they they you know we it's funny that you talk about engagement online because a lot of the challenges i've heard at the moment is providing content that's engaging online and then yesterday somebody produced an hour-long movie about the new sony as70 that's just been released and it's got forty thousand views i mean that's engagement from a, a basically a, a long youtube video about a camera right really well produced really high produced but then from so from like a perspective of a sony or a corporate in terms of sponsorship and investment into those content creators that's already happening and now the barrier is is low to online events right anybody could pay buzz nation for their platform or or maybe apply at some point in the future when it's back open to be a, a LinkedIn live influencer. And all of a sudden, I see this world where there are all these new event organizers that ultimately might bring people together physically as well, because there is, a, there is so much value in physical connection, as you pointed out earlier, Bernard. It's, that's the icing on the cake for me. The physical connection is where you really get to know people. Friendships are formed. There's an emotion. There's an there's an electricity about it when you walk into a room with other people in your in your niche or your sphere or whatever. So, what what do you think the future holds, Bernard? Do you do you see something similar from a uh, from a futurist perspective? What what does it look like to you with virtual and online events? Yeah, I, I think you've outlined it quite well. Um, I, I see a world where, and, I, and this is something that has been playing on my mind for some time now. So I, I, I've been invited to do events and sometimes when they're local events like in, in London or somewhere in Europe, I do smaller scale events. I'm happy to go to them. And you think actually, do I really need to do them? They, mm. they pay me a, speaker fee but actually if i if i did those events myself i could probably organize them better even physical events and have much better control over all of this yeah, yeah. and so absolutely i i see myself now as as a, a virtual event organizer and hopefully in the future a physical event organizer and 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 what i found this interesting that i sometimes people like me work mainly through speaking agencies for example so there's a, and i be i get contacted by them a lot 
And what was interesting when I was starting with these LinkedIn lives, I actually approached some of those because I, I could sense that they were all panicking about their own world collapsing. Mm. And I said, actually, how about we collaborate here? Because I have a really big audience. You have clients that want events. How do we partner on this? And actually none of them have picked this up, which I found really interesting. And so I'm, I, I don't need them, but I thought it would be useful. It would be a win-win relationship. Um, the other thing is I, in lots of, I, my, my, my brother-in-law is, is in events. So he organizes physical events, does all the staging plans and all strategically. And again, for, for a business like them, this has been a huge disruption and, and very scary. And so again, what we need to see is that, that some of these real life events will come back, but in a completely different form, I think. And, and that they are actually developing exactly as you say, those, those technical skills. So I, I very much see it like you, that we will have a, a world where we have software as a service providers providing platforms and you then have service providers like the the physical event organizers in the past that then deliver an, a service around it that help to develop a strategy what does it what do you actually want to achieve with this and how you then deliver this and whether this is engaging with influencers or staging a physical event somewhere or having a, a very exclusive webinar where you get to meet some cricketers that, that, that they are all different events that that would work so I, I think the guidance and the strategic advice would become much more valuable yeah. but instead of saying this is how we shape the room this is the stage we're building and and so on it's much more about who we engage with and and what we deliver and how yeah Nesh I think framed it really really well earlier um, in the point that what necessarily happens physically does not automatically translate online and a difference in thinking and and approach needs to happen in order to make online as valuable if not in some ways more valuable than what can play physically and i'm starting to see it lots already like the the bit that sits in between what buzz nation do and the bit that's, that that you do bernard which is these all of a sudden these virtual stage physical virtual stages that are popping up to allow you as a speaker to present extremely professionally as you would expect on the main stage at an event um, with light and sound and everything's a controlled environment and it looks really top quality through a platform like BuzzFeed to give the ultimately the, the, the audience that level of quality that they're expecting, um, especially if they're paying to attend online as well. In addition, you know, the, the, the production level of what online events I, I'm seeing rapidly, rapidly grow as well. Nesh, to finish off from a technology aspect, what does what does the tech side of things look like in the future? What are you most looking forward to from a from a software perspective? Well, Adam, and I'll be as candid as I can, right? So, I mean, um, so basically, if you look at it uh, as you put it, you know, when we started in Feb, uh, when we were talking to clients, really, uh, the best way to explain to them who we are, right? was to tell them that we are now your online events manager. So we improved that and later we said we are your online events technology manager. <laughs> improved that a little bit. And trust me, 
that kind of helped us position ourselves in mm. eyes of our clients because you know they did not know who we are because we did not own a platform but we were selling them a service so just to position ourselves better we kind of came up with this whole thing that let's make it simple we are your online events technology manager now as you guys rightly said uh, and then you know we had and sometimes we gave this example to clients right that look at your look at your banking app right it's on your phone does the bank try to create the bank on your phone no right it's an app it still does everything you would do in a bank but it's not trying to recreate a 3d model of the branch right it's just reimagining the way you engage with this new audience yeah so i think i think that helped us also kind of convince them to scale down their expectation of turning a, a physical to a virtual so i think yes we do we do a, we do see a, a lot of reimaginational things going on we are kind of reimagining ourselves that's really good yeah kind of also support people and and as as uh, bernard says you know it's going to be a completely different approach and, and the way live is going to come back is going to come back in a different way where it is going to be live plus physical not versus physical and the nation uh, kind of company will play a role in hand holding our customers to the virtual journey really that's amazing guys i can't thank you enough for today i know um, you're both super extremely busy today this could be one of those Joe Rogan-esque podcasts where we go on for hours, I'm sure. Um, I'd love to get you back on both at some point. Um, Bernard, when you've got a bit more experience and, and you know, another six, 12 months down the line, I, I'm sure that 20,000 um, people tuning in on LinkedIn will be 40, 50, 60,000, even more. Nesh, thank you very much for giving us a perspective um, from your, like you say, the virtual event technology partner and manager. I think that's a really good way of describing what you guys do. Everyone, if you've liked today's podcast and you've loved what you've heard, heard sorry, should I say, um, please connect up with Nesh and Bernard. Um, give this uh, podcast a like and a share so your connections and your network can also benefit from today's content. Um, I'll see you in the next one. Mm-hmm.